Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Thank you, music team, for leading us in worship. Psalm 119, we're in the eighth stanza of this longest chapter in the Bible. Starting in verses, verse 57 through verse 64, we read it responsively, but let me invite you to open your scriptures, and it's on page 513 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. You may have to search for one. We had vacation Bible school in here this past week, so it didn't look like this a few days ago. <laughs> it looks good now. We had a great, great week. Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64. This is God's holy word to us this morning. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we echo that back to you now. You're, the earth is full of your love. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you would teach us your statutes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For 64 verses now, we are into Psalm 119. And if you notice, the psalmist has not skipped a single beat. Every single verse so far of all 64 verses have mentioned the word of God. And here in the eighth stanza of Psalm 119, we have eight different synonyms used for the Bible, for the word of God. So we see over and over and over the psalmist is talking about the scriptures, the words, the promises, the testimonies, the commandments, the law, the rules, the precepts, and the statutes. It's almost as if that steady drum beat is kind of beating into our minds and into our hearts. And what's the point? What is the psalmist trying to show us here? If you want to grow in holiness, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to know God more and love him more, then you must love his word. You must love the scriptures. The Bible must be that important to you. you. You must grow in your knowledge and application of the word of God. The Bible. The Bible, the very God-breathed words of God. It's absolutely critical to knowing God and knowing him as your portion. That's where the psalmist begins the stanza. The Lord is my portion. Four times in the whole Psalter, all of the Psalms, the Lord is claimed as the, the portion of a believer. But what does that mean when the psalmist says, the Lord is my portion? Well, the word portion literally means and most commonly refers to 
its Old Testament designation, which would be a portion would be like a piece of land or a territory. And these, you may recall from the Old Testament when God's people were getting ready to enter the promised land that he had given them and through Moses and through Joshua, the, the 12 tribes were going to be allotted different portions, different territories for their tribes, for their people when they entered the promised land. And so 11 of the 12 tribes were allocated portions, territories for their people, all but the tribe of Levi. Levi got left out of this deal. The Levites were not given a portion of the land. Why? Because they were told that the Lord was their portion. And it was the role, it was the calling, it was the ministry of the Levites to be the priest. To be devoted to the service and to the worship of God and leading God's people in worshiping Yahweh. The Levites did not get land. They got the Lord. Yahweh, their God, Yahweh God was their portion. And so their portion was to be symbolic. It was to preach a message, if you will, to the people of Israel that the final destination of God's people is not a piece of property. It's not a land. It's not something physical. It is God himself. They get the Lord. The portion that was the Levites was to be the visible reminder to all of God's people that the ultimate promise, the ultimate rest, the greatest portion that they could receive was to be with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth. Their allotment was to show, as Spurgeon once said, there is no possession like God himself. There is no possession as great as God himself. So that's the point here of all of Psalm 119. is to know the Bible so that you may know and love the Lord God of the Bible. He is your portion. Is that not good news to you? Can you say about the Lord? He's all I want. He's all I need. He is my portion. For the psalmist to say the Lord is my portion is to say that I believe that the Lord is all I need because his promises are good and being with him for all of eternity is the best thing that I could ever receive or the best thing that I could ever possess. The Lord is my portion. So this morning, I want us to consider this truth. Blessed are those who know the Lord as their portion. Blessed are those who know the Lord as their portion. And according to this stanza, knowing the Lord as your portion means at least three things here, according to the psalmist. The first is there's an urgency to know and obey the word of God. Secondly, there's a need to remember the word of God. And thirdly, there is an inclination to surround ourselves with others who fear God and keep his word. So first, let's look at this urgency to know and obey the Lord. 
and obey the scriptures. This is the first thing it means to know the Lord as your portion. Notice in verses 57 through 60, the urgency of the psalmist's language. Notice the, the, the intensity that he says here. I, I promise, I entreat, I, I turn, I hasten and do not delay. Do you see that the anxiousness the psalmist has? The, the urgency, the immediacy that there, that there must be in the Christian life to know the Lord and to follow his commands. Perhaps one of the greatest difficulties that we have in the Christian life today is the fact that there's no urgency to our obedience. We seem to never be a hurry. We, we know that we should and we know that we ought to obey God and keep his commandments. But let's be honest, we're often lazy and apathetic and even downright rebellious at times. We do not seek the Lord and keep his word. That is our own hearts, but the issue is even further complicated by the lies of Satan. The tempter, the evil one who would have us believe that there's there's no urgency to following Christ. We shouldn't have to worry about being so intense and so serious about our Christian walk. I mean, have you ever been told that? Have you ever felt that? Don't don't be so serious with your faith. There's no hurry. This is a lie of Satan. Christopher Ash, in his wonderful work, on Psalm 119, he still tells this story that I believe was inspired by some of the screw tape letters from C.S. Lewis. He tells a story about the devil briefing his junior devils one day. And the scene goes like this. Who is going to come up with a good strategy to stop the enemy of the to stop the enemy of winning people into his kingdom? One devil piped up. I'm going to tell them there is no God. Ah, that's a good strategy, replied the devil. I'm sorry, he said, ah, that's not a good strategy, replied the devil, because there's masses of evidence that there is a God. Very few people will really believe you. Anyone else got any ideas? Another devil spoke up and said, I'm going to tell them that there's no judgment. That's a better strategy, replied the devil. But actually, men and women know there is accountability. They know their actions have consequences. Anyone else got any ideas? And then one demon piped up. I'm going to tell them that there's no hurry. Ah, said the devil. That's exactly what you ought to do. That is the perfect strategy. And so it is. The perfect strategy. This idea that there's no hurry to obeying God and his word. It plays right into the devil's strategy. It plays right into the natural tendency of our sinful hearts. And so we must heed the psalmist's example here to, to hasten and not delay to keeping God's word, to obeying his commandments, lest we fall into apathy, laziness. So the determination, the motivation, 
for urgency in the Christian life. It must be driven by the fact that the Lord is our portion. He is what we need. We must hasten and not delay to follow him and his word. Because obedience to God is far better than anything this world has to offer. It's far better than being lazy and in no hurry. Let us hasten and not delay. That's the first thing that the psalmist wants us to know about knowing the Lord as our portion. There's an urgency here to the Christian life. The second thing about knowing the Lord as our portion is that we need to remember. We've talked about this over and over and over. The need to remember the Lord's words, to remember the commandments, to remember God's promises. And why do we keep saying that? Why does the psalmist keep harping on that? It's because we forget. We're forgetful. We forget simple things like names and phone numbers. And certainly we forget the promises of God and his word. So how do we remember? How can we make sure we don't have amnesia in the Christian life? Well, we've looked at all these wonderful spiritual disciplines that God has given us in his word. We meditate on the word of God. We memorize the word of God so that we can repeat it in our minds over and over and remind us of the Lord's goodness and remind us of his words. In other words, we have to fill our minds. We have to fill our hearts. We have to fill our lives with with so much Bible that it becomes a part of our thinking. It becomes a part of our dreams. It becomes a part of our mentality. Because naturally, we're not just prone to think that way. We fill our minds and our lives with other things. But the psalmist says something interesting here in verse 62. He says, at midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Seriously? Seriously? Have you ever woken up at midnight and got on your knees to praise the Lord? Don't raise your hand if you had. I don't, I don't want to feel guilty. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's going on here? I, you know, I sometimes have trouble sleeping. Actually, a lot of times. <laughs> it's because I'm thinking too much. Just, my mind is just going and turning. And a lot of times, really, it's because I'm worrying, right? We worry about things. We go to bed with things on our minds and on our hearts. And... I hope I'm not the only one that sometimes just have weird dreams and wake up with weird thoughts because of the things on my mind, the things that I went to bed thinking about. If y'all had this experience, please nod your head. Okay, good. Make me feel better about myself. But what, it, what would it look like to be woken during the night or to wake up during the night to praise the Lord? What would it be like to wake up and and your dreams were about the Lord and about his word and his promises and the good things that he has done? What under what conditions would that happen that I wouldn't wake up thinking about aliens or something like that? I think that it can only happen and and it will happen. If we're saturating our hearts and our minds with the word of God. 
I think it can only happen when we are making God's word a, a daily part of our lives. And doing this makes you dream and think of God so much that maybe you wake up thinking about the Lord and thinking about his word. I don't think that this is as far-fetched as, it might, as we think it might be. Think about the last time that you read, watched a movie before you went to bed and, or read a good novel and stayed up way too late watching that movie or reading that novel because it had your attention. You, just, you couldn't go to sleep. You wanted to see what happened next. And, and, and then you woke up and your dreams and your thoughts were about this movie or about this book that you were reading. And when you woke up, what was the first thing on your mind? <laughs> what happened? I was thinking about that. I had my mind going. This must be why the psalmist, and even Jesus himself modeled this for us, Meditate, meditated on the word of God day and night. Psalm 1, blesses the man who meditates on the word day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. The word of God infiltrated his mind and his heart and his dreams. And it became the, the first thing that came out of his mouth when he woke up. So I think it just might be some simple things. as just starting our day and ending our day with a promise from the word of God. The, the psalmist desires to know the Lord. And to know the Lord as his portion and to remember his law. And to remember it even not only when he wakes up and in his dreams in the night, but also in times of trouble. When the wicked, when evildoers, those hell bent on drawing him into sin and ensnaring them, him into their sinful trap. He says in verse 61, I do not forget your law, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me. There's all these snares, all these hooks trying to draw him in and get him to sin and to, to walk away from the Lord. He says, I will not forget your law. So that's why we must do all that we can to remember the word of God so that when we wake up at midnight, we praise the Lord. And when we're tempted to be drawn back into sin by the wicked, we remember the word of God. We drift off, drift off to sleep knowing the Lord is my portion. We remind ourselves every time we are tempted to be drawn into darkness. The Lord is my portion. He is far better than anything sin has to offer. And so we must be reminded over and over and over. The Lord is good. His word is good. We need it. He is our portion. But last, the psalmist here talks about the importance of knowing the Lord as our portion. And another important piece to this is an inclination to surrounding ourselves with others who fear God and keep his word. Look there in verse 63. The psalmist says, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Knowing the Lord is our portion should it will make us want to surround ourselves 
with others who love God and love his word. The most common world and life view that is perpetrated by our culture today is this idea that all that matters is me. Me, 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 I, 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 I. This world, this culture, our own sinful hearts, the devil, everything wants you to think about yourself. It wants you to be as selfish as you possibly can, can be. And this is, this is kind of the Western individual mindset that drives our world to a degree. And it has even crept into Christianity. Where sometimes we can be trapped into thinking that the Christian life is only about ourselves. It's only about me, the individual. But this is not God's design for the Christian life. God's design is not for it to be just you and Jesus alone in the world. Christian community means that the Christian life is to be lived with others. And this is why Jesus called us and even showed us to be others-centered. This is what our children learned in Vacation Bible School this week, right? Look not only to the interest of, of yourselves, but also the interest of others. I see all those children shaking their head. Good job. And so the psalmist declared here, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. In other words, the psalmist is saying, I want to be around others. Who fear the Lord and keep his word. I want those to be my companions. I want those to be my friends. And so what we need is a faith that is so great. And so committed to the word of God. That those who are closest to us. Those whom we surround ourselves with. Those whom we rely on for wise counsel. Those whom we need to encourage, we need them to encourage us and lift us up. Are those who are committed to God and his word. Those are the people that we need around us. This is one of the most important lessons that we must learn in the Christian life. We need each other. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to lift us up, to help us. And so we must surround ourselves with companions who fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Why do we need this? Least we succumb to forgetfulness and laziness. And we never get in a hurry to keep God's commandments. And we forget that the Lord is our portion. And that he is the best thing. He is better than anything this world has to offer. That's why, brothers and sisters, you need good Christian friends to help you with this. Even pastors need this. I mean, I've had several of you tell me, hey, pastor, you need to remember that thing you were preaching the other day. (laughs) Because it's true. It's true. We need brothers and sisters around us to help us remember and know the Lord is our portion. You know, over and over and over in the Bible, God is reminding his people of his covenant with them. And that basic covenant framework is this. I will be your God and you will be my people. This is the covenant formula. This is what God is saying over and over in his word. This is why we love covenant theology. And and this is why 
We believe in it because it teaches us the Lord is our portion. He is what we need. He's all we need. But did you know that God gets a portion? Did you know that he gets something? We get him. He is our portion. But what does he get? He gets us. He gets you. Deuteronomy chapter 32, the word says, but the Lord's portion is his people. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. And Jesus repeats this basic thinking, this this teaching in John chapter 6, when he declares these wonderful, lofty, eternal promises and Just listen to here from John chapter 6. He says, all, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. The Lord is our portion. and We are His. And He's not given us up. We belong to Him. This is incredibly Good news that if you look to Jesus and that if you believe in him as your savior, you get him. He is your portion. And he gets you. You are his portion. Forever. The Lord is our portion. We belong to him. And so let us love and sing and wonder at this great truth. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us to believe and to see these wonderful truths here in your word. You are our portion. That we belong to you. You are ours, and thank you for your love that will not let us go. We praise you and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.